Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Progress Pod and today I am joined by Chris Burnett who I've known Chris for just about 18 months now and Chris and the guys at Pack Performance helped me achieve my first sub 3 hour marathon at Manchester early in the year and Chris is a bit of an endurance king himself having run Ironman events, he's done sub 3 in the marathon himself He's also ran through the African desert and he's done the famous ultra marathon in America, the Moab 240, and I believe he's the first ever Scottish person to do that. So today we're going to dive into all of these things with Chris. It's going to be a value-packed episode and I can't wait to get into it. So Chris, welcome, mate. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for uh, coming down today. Yeah, no, cheers for coming. Cheers for coming on the podcast. And just to start off, mate, a wee bit of intro about you, where you're from, what you how you got into running, how you got into endurance events, just a little bit of background. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, the nickname of Endurance King, but Weekend Warrior <laughs> is probably more uh, appropriate. Um, yeah, for endurance, for me, I really got into it about six years ago. Uh, I used to just play a lot of golf uh, and then had uh, a little bit of a change in my life and actually a good friend of mine got me into cycling. Um, so cycling was my route into real physical activity uh, and that kind of pushed me on to look at events um, and cycling events not just races but more triathlon and it was actually triathlon that I started with in terms of endurance events so I started doing some triathlons in France where I used to live uh, and then slowly got sick of carrying bikes around on planes um, and I thought let's just try the running aspect and then as you run further you need more stuff so now that i only run i actually probably carry more than i did when i did triathlon so it's uh, come full circle again um but yeah six years triathlon to road marathons and then to ultra marathons where we are now and um, probably the one thing that i always look to to do every year um but really like competing in all distances of of running whether it be a 5k park run or an ultra marathon in the desert yeah, not brilliant. And in, in terms of the endurance events, what's the sort of main main ones we've ticked off? Obviously, I've kind of had a brief mention of there, but so how many marathons have we done? How many Ironman events? So starting off with Ironman, two half Ironman, um, and then moved into road marathons, ran road marathons in um, Belgium, Copenhagen, uh, Denmark, England, USA, uh, and then ultra marathons here in Scotland, in Denmark. Uh, in Jordan, over in America, and we're soon going to uh, Morocco to run in the desert there. So that'll be our third desert in as many years. And we're going to try and tick off the whole world. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, mate. No, it's a lot, a lot of running. And in terms of the big one, what we'll probably dive into um, for a, a good part, which I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in. And if any of the listeners have listened to David Goggins' news book. You may have heard of the Moab 240. So just a wee bit of an intro on that, Chris. What is the Moab 240 and what made you want to to get that in your sights and attack that? Uh, I try and explain the race to people as 240 miles with Mount Everest in the middle. That's the easiest way to break down the the distance and the elevation that you have to cover. Um, So essentially 240 is the total miles and then you have two 4,000 metre climbs uh, in between that. Uh, so it's a quite a beast of a race. Um, something that I seen on YouTube a few years ago uh, when I first started to get into running ultra marathons. Um, I actually didn't think that 
there was a race longer, organised race longer than a road marathon. Um, then I seen a documentary on Netflix about an ultramarathon in Hong Kong where they ran between the islands there and you had to catch the ferry as the cutoff to make it to the next uh, checkpoint. And from there, just looking more into to YouTube, found Moab 240. Thought I'd like to do that sometime. Uh, started running longer, kind of went to the, the back of, uh, of my mind. Um, and then I decided to do a, a run for, or a few runs for charity for my uh, nephew uh, and for Glasgow Children's Hospital Charity. And I applied for some big races. Uh, and with Moab, there is no entry criteria. So there's 250 slots and everyone has an equal chance of getting in. And uh, sitting uh, on my laptop one day uh, whilst I was in Florida, I just seen the email pop up in the corner of my uh, laptop saying, congratulations, you're, uh, you've been accepted for Moab. And that was 10 months before the race and things really kind of hit home then. Uh, and yeah, you just the, the time does tick down slowly, but leading up to that, there was quite a, a few bumps in the road. Um, my journey that year was to run a sub three hour marathon, which we did at Manchester the year before yourself, and to place uh, in a race in Inverness, which I narrowly missed out on, in the June to run the West Highland Way, which I had to pull out of after 50k, um, and really then had a, a, a tough summer in the lead up to Moab being in October, um, didn't run much between June and October, I think in total 300 kilometres, and then we flew to to uh, Moab to basically run 380 in, in four days. So, so that, that, that kind of puts it in perspective because a lot of people might think, oh, you only ran 300 kilometres in, in a couple in a few months, but which might be a lot to people. But if you put it in that perspective, yeah. that you ran less in the three months leading up to what you ran in four days. Yeah, I remember is, when we got the bus from Glasgow to Manchester. Um, someone actually worked out that Moab is the same distance as Glasgow to Manchester and then you run the marathon and it's 240 miles or there or thereabouts. So that kind of puts it <laughs> into perspective for sure. Yeah, and you're not running on a flat road, you're running <laughs> yeah. in the middle of a, the, the Utah desert. desert. <laughs> yeah, which so, is fun. So what was that like going over there? Because I know you guys had a bit of a, a trip and you went over there. Was that a great experience? Yeah, well, I've always been one to make sure you have what you need at a race. Um, so I was lucky enough to, to fly a couple of support people over um, to help with the driving, um, friends to help with the pacing, um, massage therapists and chiropractors to help me uh, stay in one piece throughout the, the attempt. Um, that takes, again, a fair bit of logistics, uh, a lot of people to move around, places to stay, so that's where the point of um, carrying things to triathlons pretty quickly became minuscule compared to these big races. Okay. And even when we were there, you know, some people would say, is, you, you brought all this crew, um, that must cost you a fortune, whilst they are sitting outside their $100,000 camper van, and, you know, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah. Um, uh, people don't seem to see the wood from the trees, but I think if you can get... A, good support in those larger races it's definitely going to help you yeah help you through there and there is people that run these races unassisted and hats off to them because it's a task in itself so to have no support there whatsoever is is a pretty uh, big undertaking because how, how does it work then if you didn't have support or i don't know if what you guys did but food 
like drink? Like, do you need to? There's a checkpoint you can leave stuff at. Like, so at these American races, everything's laid on for you. So okay. It's like a mobile catering unit in the middle of the desert, if you want to use it. So at these larger um, checkpoints, they would have barbecues and sleep stations and things like that. So it's it's pretty well um, put on. Um, when you get to these places, sometimes you're just running for 26 miles in the middle of the desert and you come across a table just with uh, big um, five-gallon uh, buckets of water. So that was interesting to do a race there where you are doing a marathon between checkpoints. Yeah. And um, mentally that was a, a big thing for me because the furthest we'd ever run really between checkpoints was maybe half marathon. Yeah. So to be out there for that length of time, maybe during the middle of the night, is is, uh, is something different. What was the sort of temperature? What was the sort of weather like? So the first day, I think, during the day, it got up to maybe mid-30s. And then one of the sleep stations was at the top of the mountain. It probably got to close to freezing. So big temperature swings. That's crazy. That is, that is mad to think that... Like how It's hard to even think how you prepare for that in terms of like you say, kit, clothing-wise, yeah. like, and what was your sort of approach, like, with regards to, I know I've heard some people want to, like, they try and get as far as they can before they need to sleep, or did you have an approach that you wanted to do a certain amount of kilometres or a certain amount of miles per day, sleep for so long and then do it again? What was your sort of approach to it? Um, for, for me, personally, we have always raced uh, stages. So we were used to running all day, then sleeping, and then running again. So working out where the sleep stations were, uh, I broke the race up into um, four days uh, to have three sleeps. So the, the basically 100 kilometres between sleeps. Uh, and that would mean that I was hopefully running throughout most of the day where there was daylight and then a short period uh, during the night, resting during the night uh, and then going again early in the morning. Um, for two reasons, like I said, I was used to that uh, and also just to keep your body in the similar rhythm to what it already is. Yeah. Um, throughout your training period. That went well for the first three nights. We ran for, I think, you know, 20-ish hours per day and then slept for four or five. Uh, it was quite funny where you would um, run by all these people, sleep, and then they would push through like zombies through the night and then you'd wake up and, and you'd start running again right past them. And sometimes they would look at you like, where do you get that energy from? But no one else was sleeping for, for a six hours a night like I did on the first night and then I think it slowly got closer and closer uh, or shorter and shorter should I say to four hours um, but different approach and with that I think when you look at the race times it took me 102 hours to do the uh, 240 miles but only 50, 52 of those hours was moving the rest was rest Right. So I covered the distance pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, what was the kind of what was your kind of average pace whilst moving? Um, I think probably ten minutes per kilometer. Yeah. Yeah. So still shuffling, and uh, the last day when injury injury finally set in on I think it was my peroneal nerve. We had to go th through the full day, which was a mountain and about I think eighty kilometers, and then instead of resting that night, myself and Steve the pacer. Um, had to just bandage up my leg and we walked 40 miles to the end. Just, uh, so you said it took 102 hours. What was the what was the is it what was the deadline? Is there a deadline? The deadline for Moab is 120, I believe. Okay, yeah. so you got you got in there. That's that, that's unbelievable, especially engine knowing you need to walk. Yeah, that was 40 a, miles. That was a long night, and uh, 
I really just pictured walking from my house to an office that I knew what the route looked like. So instead of looking around and seeing the desert, I just pictured, I take a left turn at this supermarket and then a right turn at this junction and really just tried to repeat that journey over and over again. Yep. Um, took a half an hour sleep and a few dirt naps by the side of the road yeah. um, to get through that. But once the sun comes up and you kind of smell the, the, the end, it, things start to speed up a little. Was there any, any mad experiences? I know you hear some people during big ultra races like this when sleep's not at its peak, some hallucinations and seeing some mad things. Mm. What about you? Were you fine? Um, didn't have any of that really, I think, because I was sleeping yeah. when I could. We did come across tarantulas and rattlesnakes. Yeah. And even when we lay down at the side of the of the road to sleep, it was never like a, a thought that there might be a snake right beside you or a spider. You, just, you were just dead enough where you would just lay down and uh, and go to sleep for 10, 15 minutes. Probably had spiders and snakes yeah. crawling on you at yeah. points, mate, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's mad to think that after running for 100k and then lying down for four or five hours to wake up and go, right, and you run another 100k, and just to, to do that for like four days straight yeah. is, is absolutely incredible. So am I right saying you're the first Scottish person to ever complete? Yeah, that's what they said, that we've never had anyone from Scotland to, to run the race, uh, run the 240, which they increased it from 200 a few years back to 240. Yeah. So first person to run from Scotland, which is quite a... Quite a, a cool accolade, obviously, to run it for charity and for my nephew, and to complete it after being injured the whole summer and you know having this staring down the barrel at you, uh, especially the distance. Like it's it's un, incomprehensible how you prepare for that, and there is no preparing. You you have to amass some some time before you know a couple of years running certain races, so you can be uh, and the. You know the best have the best focus you can for things like nutrition and gear um but personally to to get to treat to ask for like a running plan for that specific distance there's there's some prerequisites that you need to have and yeah. uh, after that it's really just down to how much i believe you put into your um recovery for me recovery is key and that's why i took massage therapist and chiropractor and you know they were resetting me every day and throughout the day and uh, yeah. I solely probably put it down to to that, and then having the mental aspect in place. Because physically, you know, I I didn't train for really three months leading up to it. Yeah. I could run two months before I managed fifteen minutes worth of running, and then slowly, for those two months, we managed to get three hundred k under the belt, and then we just headed into it. Yeah, that that makes it even more phenomenal. The fact that, that training was not optimal at all, and. I, I think it's crazy that four days we covered more distance than four months, yeah. <laughs> which is which is unbelievable. And you mentioned recovery there, which obviously is massive, and having the massage therapist and also your support crew, the guys helping you through with, with a bit of morale as well, I'm sure. Um, but in terms of recovery, how how was that after? What was it like after the Moab? Obviously, you had that bit of an injury. That's the most you ran. You ran. A, significant amount of distance in a short space of time. How did we recover? Were we all right? Uh, yeah, a bit of injury in the left leg, just let that heal. Um, I say the first week I probably was going to bed at 10 o'clock and waking up at 2 the next afternoon. Really? So it was a lot of sleep, um, just naturally, like not trying to do that uh, as a matter of recovery, just letting the sort of body heal yep. how, it was, how it wants to. And then, you know, just hitting the massages. Um, and a fair bit of walking and didn't run for 
probably six weeks after, just kind of let my body heal, didn't have any expectations to get back into anything, um, and yeah, six, seven weeks after, till I first really started running again. Incredible. Um, and it just comes back slowly. I would say that over the course of this year, uh, there's still probably an element of that race in you. Um, recovering it from physically is one thing, and recovering from it mentally uh, is, is another thing. Because you know, once you're out there for five days um, with your friends in the desert, it's doing something that means a lot to you. Um, it puts you at a, a high, yeah. um, and you know you need to try and replace that with something. Um, yeah. So that's also an area where you've got to recover from as well. Yeah, no, definitely. So that's the the, uh, the kind of post-event blues is definitely something that I, mm. we can kind of chat about that a wee bit, but it's something that I'd never really considered until probably the last two marathons that I did in Loch Ness and then in Manchester. You build up so much to an event, like you come, you've got a big surge of adrenaline, you've got the event, if you, if you achieve your goal especially, you've got this big, big high, and then all of a sudden, like the week after, and then as you say, it's probably even longer than that, it can be you can feel pretty down at some points and you yeah. just, it's hard to it's hard to explain unless you could have done something so i think to that level as well it must be it must have been pretty tough and is that something that you would is the moab something that you would put down to experience you've done it or is it something you would ever do again uh i th- i think i'd go back i mean the company that runs that race they run something called the triple crown which is their three 200s, two 200s mm-hmm. and 240 mm-hmm. uh, and you complete that over a summer so I would like to go back and be the first person from Scotland to do the, the three in one summer as well which yeah. I think would be uh, something for me to do personally. Yeah oh, great that's uh, excellent and just kind of talking about where you've, you've mentioned the kind of half Ironmans you've done, the marathons, what is your or what has been your most enjoyable event and, and why? Uh, I would probably say the West Highland Way in June um, first long race after Moab and going into it with a little going into it having pulled out the year before but also going into it with no expectations and really being able to run and enjoy and probably release uh, through that race where really felt good the whole way through um, I probably got a little bit tired at the end of it but not being so stressed yeah. about running the race and just really enjoying it was one of the most enjoyable races I've had, at least for 90% of it. So yeah. you know how these long races go, if you have an ultra coming up, you'll soon find out that they don't always go to plan and you've got to adapt, um, take the bumps in the roads in your stride, uh, pivot around them and, and push on forward. So to have a race that was pretty perfect was really enjoyable. Yeah. Especially one that's a hundred miles long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not often that that happens. Yeah. Your support no. crew are asking, How are you feeling? And you're like, Absolutely great. Yeah. <laughs> this is strange. Brilliant. No, that must be a big one as well, especially having having to pull out the year before. But it's a good thing you say like just running without that sort of pressure. Something that I'm gonna look forward to doing at the ultra marathon that I've got lined up is I'm gonna just go there and, and try and be relaxed about it, not worry pretty much any running event I've done recently over the last year, year and a half, I've always been pressurising myself for a time. Like I need to get this time, I need to do this, I need to do that. And it can it can be, it can make it, as you say, highly pressured and maybe actual during the run, not as enjoyable as I'm gonna definitely have that approach into the ultra marathon in terms of just like let's go, relax, just and try and enjoy enjoy the run. And obviously there's gonna be hard points, but um, yeah, just take a more relaxed approach to it. So I think that's a, a good thing. Yeah, yeah, you might find uh, or get the same feeling that I had. Yeah, uh, in June. So, see how it goes. Definitely. And then, in terms of 
your least enjoyable or most, like, actually, in fact, instead of least enjoyable, hardest? Is it Moab by far? Uh, physically, yes. Um, I would. I know, like, if you look at it from a uh, outside perspective, run 240 miles in the desert should be the hardest thing that you've done. Um, I would say yes and no. The last 40 miles walking through the desert was was tough, but you know, I, I thought of other things to distract me from that. Um, other situations where other people have, have got it much worse than just walking 40 miles. So that kind of took it away. Um, uh, but I'd say the hardest, least enjoyable was probably running in Morocco, dehydrated um, for a half hour man a few years back. If you're not prepared for what's to come, uh, you feel like quitting and every step you take just saps it out of you. So when you're, when you're disconnected from the task in front of you is probably when it, it amplifies the difficulty. Um, and that's where slight preparation can come in to help you, you know, avoid those situations. At least if you are doing the things you need to do, the toughness is just from the environment, not necessarily from your ill preparation. Yeah. Multiplied by the environment. Yeah, yeah. I think preparation for any event, whether it's a 10k that you're doing or an ultramarath, I think preparation is really, really key, just to ease that stress and just to try and, like you say, avoid things like that. But it's interesting you were saying during that slog with the 40 mile, the walk, you were just trying to talk, think about other people that were in harder positions. It's like, there is a lot of talking in your head, isn't it? I can imagine like through these ultra marathons, like how how long are you just speaking to yourself in your head about different things? It must yeah. just be constant. Yeah, I mean, recently I take a recorder with me now to voice record on runs because you get a lot of good ideas yeah um, especially run the business here yeah like we are at pack performance um so if you don't remember them when you're running then you think what was i thinking about earlier because i yeah. knew it was a good yeah that's a really good point and it is it's one of the things that is it because when you're out running especially if you may be out running by yourself a long run you're actually you're, you're a bit disconnected at that point from social media from laptops from phones and at that point because you're actually giving yourself a chance to think that's when you get lots of good ideas yep. that's why i really enjoy going out a long run sometimes I, I won't listen to music yet i'll just go myself and like that is when the, the creativity happens that's when you get all these ideas so that's a, a good shout i'll maybe start taking yeah no distractions one one foot in front of the other yeah no definitely mate and then in terms of a couple of different points here you've mentioned you've done triathlon if you had to only do one discipline going forward, would it would it be running or cycling or swimming? I really like cycling. Yeah. Um, you know, I like the difficulty that cycling brings when you're going up mountains. Uh, last year, I cycled up Mont Ventoux in France three times in one day, which was a pretty uh, epic challenge. Did that with a good friend of mine and pushing each other up the side of a mountain on a bike. There's nothing quite like it because. When you're racing, unless it's like a PB marathon, you know, something really fast, you're, you're never really on the limit. But when you're going up the side of a hill on a bike, you're on the limit. And that's probably one of the most enjoyable things for me, yeah. uh, is really pushing your body to, to get up and over the other side. Running is a big part of my life. Uh, it is enjoyable. It's also not enjoyable when you have injuries and have to walk 40 miles. But <laughs> cycling, for the most part, you can do without too much pain. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably say that I love them both just as much. Yeah. Swimming, on the other hand, uh, and triathlon for me is organised drowning. <laughs> <laughs> I've swam my whole life, but there's something about having to swim two or three kilometres that's just so difficult. Yeah. Unless you've, you're gifted with being at a swim club since you're younger, I think the technique's just too hard to get down. 
Yeah, no, yeah. swimming in fabulous ten ever do a triathlon. <laughs> I'd need to get back into lessons. I think um, yeah, very yeah, very basic. Yeah, be top tip. Yeah, very yeah. basic swimming. Um, but no, that, that that sounds excellent. And yeah, <laughs> endless amounts of challenges. You're just you're talking about going up the side of a mountain three times in a day. It's just as if it was a normal yeah. weekend uh, challenge. So no, that's that's brilliant, mate. Um, and yeah, you mentioned there we're, we're currently in Pack Performance Gym, um, which you own. Just want to dive in a wee bit. How's things been going at, at performance, and just a wee bit of background of what you guys do and, and what you what you've got lined yeah. up for the future. So, pack performance was essentially born from an idea after we had completed ultra marathon in Jordan, um, and it was really it really came from not just the sense of achievement and satisfaction from completing the event, but completing it with the people that you wanted to be with, and um, so being surrounded by a community of like-minded people. Uh, and we wanted to start training people to allow them to go and have their own adventures. Uh, and it was a big reason for, for kicking things off. And you know, it started in the garage and from an online coaching perspective, uh, moved to a small unit in Renfrew and now to this bigger facility that we're in here now in Paisley. And what we're trying to build is, is a springboard for people to come, get fit, and then you know, get their jersey on the wall, get their, their pictures on the wall of, of adventures that, that they've went and achieved um, out there in the world um, of endurance and uh, you know functional fitness there's a lot of members here that are aiming to compete at high rocks events and things similar like that so we just want them to go out and win uh, and use this place as a as a home and a community to allow them to to go out there and do that yeah excellent now the facility here is excellent i know you guys have got big plans for it so if you are sort of local to, to Paisley definitely um, pop in and, and see the guys and in terms of yourself you kind of touched on it briefly at the start what's what's next in store what's the next big challenge uh, I have a marathon at the weekend coming up Young Frau in Switzerland so basically 25k flat and then the final 19k uh, goes from 750 metres up to 2,300, so it's <laughs> going to be a, a fast hike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not sure what to expect there, but I just wanted to go in. They call it the, I just wanted to uh, experience it. They call it the world's most beautiful marathon, so we'll see if it lives up to its name. Yeah. Someone has told me that it's very nice if the weather's good and it's not so nice if the weather's crap, yeah. so we'll uh, see how the weather is on Sunday. Um, after that, uh, the team will be heading to Morocco to run the ultramarathon there, two days, 110 kilometres. And then we are finishing off the year with Valencia Marathon. Oh, we're going to take a good squad from the gym to go over and, and smash some PBs out there. Excellent. So the uh, Morocco Ultra, when's that? Is that up? That's November. November, brilliant. And then is Valencia, is it it's December? In December, yeah. Brilliant. And is that PB attempt in Valencia? It might have to be. Um, so we'll go for further into the 250s yeah so that would be a that would be the focus after we climb this mountain in the weekend luckily the race in Morocco is also flat so not too much in terms of difference between the adaption for races brilliant mate excellent uh, so a lot a lot lined up and yeah you'll be looking forward to that and just as we've been speaking a lot about running just to kind of finish up what would be your biggest piece of advice to brand new runners maybe they want to just start running hear these stories want to eventually do events but they've never really ran before what's your biggest piece of advice to new runners it would probably be twofold find an event or a race that you really connect with uh, and work towards that and then when you do start to work towards that 
forget about distances and PBs, just focus on time on feet. Um, a lot of people get too hung up on making sure that their Strava run is exactly 5k or 10k. Just focus on getting on your feet, getting your body um, used to the stimulus of running uh, and just can building on that. If you take it further and further, look for some coaching, um, look for resources online and then maybe a physical coach uh, and then you know push towards that that event that means something to you and that will be your true why definitely no great great advice and yeah if, if you are looking to, to get involved in running it's a, it's a great tip in terms of focusing on time if you get a time on feet rather than as you say distances or what time can i get because you can end up kind of putting yourself off running in a way but if you can obsess yeah you can obsess and get yourself too pressurized also just taking it easy to start with like don't go out and try and like sprint for for 20 30 minutes you're just going to hate it so yeah definitely and anything else mate you want to, to add kind of ran through a lot there very insightful mate good to hear some of the stories and anything else you want to sort of add or finish up with no i think we've covered quite a lot today in terms of uh, you know what we do here and and other endurance events around the world i mean it's just for people that are tuned in thinking what should i do uh definitely be to to find a race that means something to you uh, and do it for a reason that means something to you as well and then you know, once you have that mental attachment and emotional attachment to a race I believe that there is no stopping you really and achieving that yeah brilliant mate a great great note to end on and uh, thanks very much for for coming on to the, the podcast yeah yeah thanks for having me Jordan cheers cheers mate great talking to you